I don't know about you, but when we brought our kids home uh, the first time, we kind of looked at each other and said, what have we done? <laughs> Where's the instruction manual for this thing? Uh, how do you turn them off? <laughs> uh, it's been fun uh, raising our children, and now we get to enjoy the fruits of all of that labor, grandkids. Uh, the question that we're going to ask today and try to answer is how to raise epic kids. And it's a two-part series that's going to talk about parenting. And in, if you're like me, you're done with parenting, and you've moved on to another phase, or you haven't got there yet, or God hasn't given you children or whatever, this is a message for everybody. Why? Because I know you know parents, and I know you know people with kids, and I know that you can pray for them, and you can encourage them, and maybe share some of the the wisdom from God's word with them. So this is a message for all of us. Why? Because we're going into the word of God. You might have thought they didn't have an instruction manual, but they actually do. The creator of every person has written how to do it. No, you don't get every last detail that's left for us to figure out with the spirit of God's help and good godly friends and people helping us with that. But at the end of the day, we have everything we need right here in the word of God so that we can raise epic kids. Epic kids. I was uh, uh, talking to a man once that had four boys, and I'm like, man, uh, I bet that was a little tough raising four boys. And he's like, yeah, it was, it was challenging. I said, you know, if you had it, 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 to do it all over again, would you, would you do it all over again? He said, yeah, but not with these four. <laughs> it's not really, that's really not the way it works, right? You get what you get. Some people ask me if, if I was disappointed that I didn't have sons. And I said, no, I, you know, we had uh, decided that we wanted to have two children because we wanted to make sure we devoted a lot of energy into ministry and two was uh, more than enough. Uh, our quiver was full with two. But, you know, I thought God gave us girls. And so that's fine. And that's what, you know, th- that's where you just need to trust the Lord, right? On certain things. And it's not about, you know, carrying on your family name or legacy because I am, I think the last, at least in our immediate family of uh, Scudder males. And so the, the Scudder name stops here, but who cares? It's not about the Scudder name. It's about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, elevating him and teaching our kids how to do that. Teaching them, first of all, that they need to be saved. And we prayed every day as parents, Lord, please help my children to see their needs, to, to know they're a sinner and to, to accept Jesus as their savior. And what a wonderful day it was when they came to it on their own and they were talking to us about spiritual things and each of them said that they wanted to put their trust in Jesus Christ. And uh, that's the, the best day. Um, that, that one of the best days that I can remember is when my children accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you're a parent and you're to guide and you're to be uh, one that is a, a steward and you need to be a good steward of those children, but they, they are made in God's image and they are accountable to him. They're accountable to you while they're in the home, but, but after that, they're accountable to God. So your job is to nurture them and guide them so when they are out of the home, they are still listening to God and obeying God and, and following God. And so that's the challenge, and that's what we're here to learn more about today. When we say epic, the reason we use the word epic, uh, kids, how to have 
epic kids because we just had a big event last week where we had an epic day. We were able to honor our first responders and we always have that near the anniversary of September 11th. And I know we all, it's burned into our memories what happened that day. Uh, but it's a way for us to say thank you again for those that have risked their lives for our protection, for our safety. And again, thank you for uh, epic people. First responders are epic people. So then we go outside and we have an epic challenge course. And uh, all these different challenges and things for people to go do uh, many times with their children. We have two different levels, uh, one for an adult, one for the child. And they can go through together and just have a blast. And, and the whole property is full of these challenges. But then I got to think, you know, an epic challenge is a good analogy of what it's like to raise children. It's an epic challenge, isn't it? It's a hard thing to do. An epic means heroic or grand in scale or character. And we want to raise our children to have that character, that godly character. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through the word of God and we're going to today give you 10 points, 10 thoughts that I've had as I've raised kids. Now I get to see my kids raise kids and I get to watch all of you raise your kids. Uh, 10 thoughts that I've had that are biblical um, and, and just advice from God's word on how to raise kids. We're going to do that same thing next time. 10 more points on what to do as parents. And then also... At the end of today's message, I'm going to save some time for you to ask questions. Okay, So we're going to have roving microphones, and I want you to be thinking as I speak, or as I touch on something, I want you to be thinking of questions like something in real life, something that, that you have a question about raising kids, and I'm going to have a panel of the uh, Julians, Pastor Paul and Pastor Mark Julian, myself, will be on the stage at the end of today's message to answer those questions the best we can. And that'll give you kind of a real world, real life scenario and our wisdom that we've learned. Um, I've uh, raised kids and now into the grandkids. Pastor Paul is the, the same way. Their kids are a little younger, but very close. And then Pastor Mark has uh, a still a pretty young child in different ages, so he has he's run the gamut of uh, of children right now that he's raising. So I think with the combination of us three, we'll stumble through and probably get to a, close to the right answer. Amen. You're like, yeah, we'll see. But anyways, be thinking of that as we go through that. Look at Ephesians six. Ephesians six verse one. Here's God's wisdom for raising kids. This will be kind of our theme for both messages on how to raise epic kids. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That sounds pretty simple. You're the parent. They're the child. You're the boss. God has given you the authority to raise them and to tell them how to live. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. It's right. And then... Paul, writing to the Ephesians, quotes the Ten Commandments, or one of them, honor thy father and mother. Honor thy father and mother. One of the Ten Commandments. And actually, it's the first commandment with promise. What does that mean? Well, remember, when you read the Ten Commandments, you know, don't worship any other gods. 
you know, uh, uh, honor the Lord, you know, love him and all those things. You come to then this one, honor thy father and mother, and then there's a promise associated with it that you will have a long life. Okay? And it says here in verse 3 that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, it doesn't mean that every person that doesn't honor their father and mother won't live a long life, but this is a general principle that if you obey God in this area of honoring your mother and father, you obey them when you're in the house, you honor them always, because we are to continue to honor them. And, and, and I want to ask a question for the panel. When do you switch from they obey you to they honor you? When do you switch from parent to friend? When do you, when do you stop parenting the child? That's a good question. And some of you have gone through that too. And that's a hard phase of life, isn't it? And if you've done a good job in the first 18 years, the next many years will be wonderful. But there's a promise associated with this. If you teach them on how to obey and, and be respectful to authority, first your authority and then God's, hopefully God's authority and then the authorities in the world, they won't be rebels, you know. And then that generally means that you're going to have a better life, a longer life. It's, it's a promise in the Bible. And then in verse four, it says, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So the next 10 things that I'm going to teach you will be on how to not provoke your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Number one, parents, be godly. Be godly. You say, well, what does that mean? That means you need to be continuing to grow in the Lord. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is God who died on the cross for our sins. We're sinners. We can't save ourselves. Jesus came into this world, lived the perfect life, but died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, but he didn't stay dead. For in three days he rose again, proving two things, that he is God and that the Father accepted the sacrifice of the Son. So you can be saved when you believe in him, when you trust in him. Not by church attendance, not by doing, not by being a good parent, but you're saved by your trust in Jesus Christ who lived that perfect life. You're never going to be a perfect parent, but God can look at you as perfect because of your trust in his son who was perfect. And, and you can be saved and, and then you can learn how to grow. What does growing mean? That means that, that we, we study God's word, not just in church, although it's a really good place to study it because corporately we can gather together and we can learn, we can go through the book, we can, uh, through the Holy Spirit and the power of the preaching of the word of God, we can be convicted and we can, we can be changed in our life. But it's more than just church. It's you personally getting into this word, knowing what it says taking the time to read God's word. That's how God speaks to us. We have to do that. We have to grow. And that's a discipline. It's, a, it's not an easy thing to do because we're naturally lazy toward the things of God. So we have to remember that this is a daily thing that we need to learn how to do. And when you do that, your kids are watching. 
Your kids know if you're in the word of God and if you're a person of prayer and you make it a priority and you make sure not only that you pray for your before or after your food, you thank God for your meals, that kind of forces you into a prayer life, right? Because you're probably going to keep eating. You say, thank you, Lord. And, and your kids are probably making sure if you forget that, and, and by the way, we forget sometimes, and our grandkids, Gramps, you didn't pray, you pagan. No, she doesn't say the, the end, but I know that's what she's thinking. But just be godly, grow, 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 grow every day. And you're not, be, you're not saying I'm perfect, but I'm, I'm working toward perfection because of Christ and what he's doing in my life through the spirit of God. Now, I do think it's, it's good to make church a priority. Let me ask you a question. What can take the place of attending a church service? What can take the place? That's a, that's a good question, right? Here at our church, we've decided throughout our whole history, and we plan to keep going with this, to have three services a week. We do two on Sundays, two different services. We do a morning service and an evening service. We like to start the day uh, being reminded this is the Lord's day and end the day again being reminded this is the Lord's day. and Give the Lord this day and, and, and be in that church. Uh, and we also have a midweek service on Wednesdays. So we either have discipleship or we have children's programming. We have Bible studies. We have all sorts of things going on. So we, we've said it's three to thrive. I think this is an important thing to show your children the priority that you want to be godly and you want to be in church anytime that there's a service. And I, I love that. That's how I grew up. And that's something that I learned. And I saw the priority of that. And then that's what we've tried to model to our kids. You say, well, you're the pastor. You kind of have to be here. And you're right. But I also hope that I would also make it a priority if I wasn't the pastor, but I'm like, this is good. Why is church good? Because you're going to gather together with other people that are like-minded. Let me share something with you that we just got back from. We were doing a pastor's retreat in Canada. Yes, there were lakes. Yes, there might have been a few lures tossed and fish caught. But we went to go build a building for a Bible camp. And we were able to build the walls, set the trusses on a large building. I don't remember the exact dimensions, but 140 by 50, is that close? And uh, uh, and also get all the siding, the OSB board on the sides and on the, on the roof, a lot of it on the roof. And it's continuing even now with some of our staff that are up there and other people, but what we did was uh, in the evenings, we, we sat down in folding chairs around a fire and we had just eaten a really nice meal and we were going to now talk as pastors and assistant pastors and just kind of learn from each other. And this is a really informal but awesome way to get ideas, to be challenged, to be caught up on what's happening, to learn how to pray for each other. And as we sat around this big fire and it was beautiful, we had all these uh, trees that had either fallen or they had to clear for the properties. So we had these big pine logs and we had a big stack of those in there and the fire was going and it was starting to get chilly and you really liked that. I don't know about you, has you. Have you ever noticed this, that the smoke follows you anywhere you sit, that smoke follows you? I, everybody I talk to says that happens to you. The reason is the, the, I think the smoke goes in circles and it, it, it passes everybody, right? But then the fire starts to get low. And so somebody in our group decides, I'm going to get up and I'm going to stir the logs. And that's great, except when you fling 
the embers out and, and, and cover some of the pastors. That happened one time. I won't say who it was, but his initials are Mark Julian. But uh, anyways, and we, we really are, we've decided to be a lot nicer to Pastor Mark here and, and uh, to not tease him as much. That's our, uh, that's our New Year's um, resolution for 2030. So pray, pray that that, pray that that works. He's just, he's just God's gift to, to teasing. So anyways, um, but if you don't stir up that fire and if you don't have those logs all together as tight as you can, you're not going to have that warmth, that radiance, that, that fire, are you? And that's what I think of church. I think of all of us gathering together. And I think of the, the preaching uh, as adding that, that spark and igniting us all to be excited, all to go in the same direction, to serve the Lord and to share the gospel. And that's why church is so important. Be godly, grow, pray, make that a priority in your family. Number two, love your wife. Love your wife, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Now, in a minute, I'm going to read Ephesians 5.24. That's a, an admonition to the wife. And some of the women think that their job is harder because you have to reverence or respect or submit to your husband. But I, I, I will submit to you that it's harder for the husband because we are asked to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He sacrificed his life. He poured out his love, the ultimate expression of love. That's how, how can I do that? How can I do it? But only through God's help, only through the spirit of God. We can do that. And then it says in verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Isn't that interesting? We, we, uh, we take pretty good care of our own bodies, right? And so you're to love your wives as your own body. Why? Because you are one. God says you are to two become one. And this is an area in our fallen nature that we don't do well as men. We don't love them as we should. We don't love them often as much as we love our work or our hobbies. You say, oh, I love my wife as much as my hobbies, well, you probably know every detail about football or cars or hunting. And if you, if there was anything different, you would have noticed, but you don't know that she had her hair done or that she has some, a new, a new, uh, uh, uh dress or, or whatever. And I, listen, I, I'm telling on myself, I am the last person to notice stuff like that, but that's what we've got to do. We've got to, to show them how much we care about them, that we care more about them than our work, than our hobbies, than sports, or anything else. And they've got to know that. They've got to feel that. So why is that important in raising kids? And, and again, I know that there are broken homes, and this isn't always possible, but when there's a, a, a husband and a wife in the home, and there's kids in the home, this is so important. I'm going to explain that why. Uh, in a, in a minute, why that's so important. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Why? Because you're one. So whatever you do to show her how much you care about her and that you're noticing, that's going to come back because you're one. Okay. For no man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. Here's a principle. The Lord calls us to love our wives. 
And here's, here's something that I'm going to share with you, husbands, men. Your kids are watching. They're actually watching more than they're listening. They're listening too, and I'm going to explain that in a second, but they're watching. And if you are not the husband you ought to be, and if you're short-tempered, if you don't treat her as you should, as a vessel of honor, if you forget to uh, you know, do little things of, to romance her, kids are watching that. You're going to teach them more when you just do what is right as a husband than you're going to ever teach them by, by speaking to them these principles. Spend time with your wife without the kids around. I know it's hard, but find a way to do that. Now, here's another thing I'm going to tell you men to do. Show your wife affection while they're watching. Why? Well, I know what they're going to say. If you go and just give your wife a big old kiss and just hug her for a minute, they're all going to say, ooh, ooh. And I know, I know. Like, you know, when I was a kid, didn't want to see that. Didn't want to see that. But, but deep down, they're smiling ear to ear. Why? Because there's security. When you're hugging her and you're showing her love and, and, and affection with them watching, they might act like they don't like it, but they love it. Why? Because you are showing them that you have a stable, loving, godly relationship and that, that, that is not going to change and they're secure in that. That's the way God created it to be. It's really, the marriage is a picture of God. It's the father, son, spirit. You have the husband, the wife, and the children, and you can show unity and love and respect and submission within that unit. That's God's way. So show her affection when the kids are watching, even when they say that's disgusting. And they will. Number three, respect your husband. Ephesians 5, 22 and 21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now you say, well, that's, that's impossible. I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's God's plan. It's God's way. You say, well, no, I need to be equal. You are equal. We're not talking about value. We're talking about level of authority. God has structured the world to where we have authority. And now remember verse 21 said, submitting yourselves one to another. So there's that submission, right? Even within the body of Christ where I, I might be the senior pastor, but I'm still submitting myself to our board and to serving you. And I'm going to submit myself to each other. But in the structure of a home, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands. This is a biblical principle. Don't chafe at that. Accept it because God has placed the man as the authority in not just the home, but in over the wife. And people don't like that these days. I'm not talking about patriarchy. I'm not talking about abusing but it, but you are the leader. You're going to have to answer to God for guiding your wife and guiding your family. So wives, don't push back at that. Accept it. Want it. That's the way God has designed you. And that's one of the areas of weakness that you have. Husbands, we have the weakness in showing our love. Show, you are to, the husband, you're to be the one that's the romantic. Now, you're probably not necessarily romantic. Let me ask you this. Are you doing some of the same things you were doing when you were dating as a man? Were you, were, I, I know you thought of all sorts of things to go do and, and say to her. And have you written her notes lately? Have you done little things? 
Have you gotten her flowers? No, I just do that on Valentine's Day. And I get a good deal by going to the cemetery, you know? (laughs) Folks, folks, folks. This is an area that we're weak in because of our, our sinful nature. Husbands love her. Wives, this is an area you're weak in is respecting, showing him respect. That's what a man needs. And that's your, an area of weakness. You say, well, I'll respect him as soon as he starts loving me. No, no, no. The first, the most mature person in the relationship should start first. <laughs> Do you hear, see what I just did there? Okay. Okay. Number four, be real. Why? Because kids are watching and hearing. And if you're not real, they know it. They know it. They know it. They know it. They know more than you think they know. Okay. This is one of the areas of my parents, especially my dad, that, that he was very, very, uh, real. He, he, he shared problems. Now you say, well, how, should I share if we're having a financial issue or things are tight or, you know, with the, or whatever the struggles are? Should I share it with the little, little ones? I think you have to be age appropriate when you share certain things, but my dad was very much sharing problems, sharing the realness of how somebody had hurt him in ministry. And, and he would share that with us, you know, obviously being careful, but I think we need to share things with our kids. Share problems. And then in your, in your sharing the problem, you're also saying, now listen, we're trusting in the Lord. He's going to get us through that. Okay. But if you act, if you never share with your children any of the problems of life, um, it doesn't help them. Okay. Because they're going to experience the same problems and they're going to be in for a shock when, uh, when they realize this. So share, uh, be real. Make sure you're not different on Sunday than you are on Monday. If you are, they know it, folks. So that goes back to being spiritual, being godly, but be real. Number five, be consistent. Keep doing the right things diligently over and over and over. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, again, this is a wisdom principle. That's what the Proverbs are. It doesn't say every single time if you do this, this will happen. But generally speaking... If you do a good job in training up your children in the way that they should go, they will continue in that. And that's a wonderful promise, but it takes consistency. This isn't one of those things, well, I'll try it for a two-week series, and then we'll see how it goes. No, just do it. Do what is right. Keep doing what is right. Number six, be diligent. Train your kids all the time. It's not just like, well, okay, we're going to have a family devotional time. Uh, we'd actually never had family devotional times. That might shock you. But this is something that I thought, um, you can do it. Nothing wrong with it. But we, we learned all the time. We didn't just have a, okay, Mondays at 7 p.m. after dinner. We're all sitting down having a Bible study. You can do that, but don't make it rigid. We didn't, we didn't do it. But what we did was we learned biblical things all the time. As life was happening, as something was popping up on TV, if it was an alcohol commercial, man, we heard about the dangers of that. As you go through life and, and your friends say something to you and, and you're open with your kids and you have a good relationship, they're talking to you, you're going to be able to deal with a lot of these issues and the world's getting worse, right? And more and more crazy things are being entered into their mind by the devil. And as you go through life, you're, you're teaching them all of the biblical principles out these, uh, about these things. Be diligent. 
all the time. And look at Deuteronomy 6. It says in verse 7, Thou shalt teach them, what? Diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou risest up by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This is all the time. This is a consistent thing through life. And as you go through life, look for opportunities to teach them something. Here's an example. You're going to take them and you're going to go do something outside. And I, that's another point I'm going to make in a minute is uh, to, to do things outside. As you're outside and you see some incredible creature, bird, whatever it is, or just a beautiful scene, reinforce to them that God made it. Give God glory. In that moment, you're, you're reinforcing this truth that it's obvious God made these things. These things could not have happened by accident. And so are we made, not by accident, but for a reason, for a purpose, in the image of God. You're reinforcing these things all the time. Here's an example of this. If I had a child this morning, when I got to church, I got out of my car. We have a little parking spot near my office. And as I got out of the car... There was a dead sparrow right on the sidewalk. I'm not sure what happened. Might have hit a window on the side of the building. You know, that happens. It might have seen Pastor Mark Julian. I don't know what happened, but I'm sorry. Did I do, I did it again, didn't I? Anyways, so whatever caused the death of that bird, whether it's a window strike or just saw some horrible thing, uh, it, it, it was laying there. Now you say, well, how can a dead bird, how can I as a parent teach my kids anything because of a dead bird? I know it, I know you're, I know what you're thinking. You know that God says in the Bible that anytime a sparrow falls, God knows that. And if God knows about that, how much more does he care for us as you go through life and as things happen, teach them diligently all the time, not just at one time. And if you do that again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but Don't think that's the answer to godliness, to epic children. You need to teach them all the time in any situation that you can. Anything that you are watching as a family, even some of the the kids' programs have those, those untruths in them. And watch for that and stop and say, okay, let me explain that to you. Even little kids, why that's wrong. And, and also protect them from that as we'll, we'll talk in a minute. Number seven, be fun. <laughs> be fun. How do you have epic kids? Well, we definitely need to be serious. We need to teach them and all those things, but you also need to just be fun with your kids. Okay. Come up with something cheap or free. Cheap or free. Doesn't have to be Disney. As a matter of fact, They're going to remember those times when you're just having fun with them outside in the yard with a baseball or whatever than any expensive vacation you'll ever find. Okay? Remember that. Here's something we did. When I was growing up, my mom and dad were in the pressure cooker, in the ministry. We never had just... We were always helping other people, and that was fine. But every now and then, they would shut off all the lights. They would hide the car. They would close all the curtains. They would light a couple candles. Everyone thought we weren't home, but we were. And we opened up a box of Chef Boyardee pizza mix. It had everything in a box. It had a can of sauce. It had the flour, and it had Parmesan cheese. And I don't even think it had pepperoni. I don't know what was in that thing. 
But that was some of the best pizza I've ever had. Why? Because we were just doing something special. What did that cost? Probably a couple bucks. Think about those fun things you can do just, just to, to show your kids that you are just wanting to have fun with them. Be silly. Be funny. Wrestle. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just do all of those things. Get down on the floor with your children. Go outside. Do things outside. I'm, I'm very, very pro getting outdoors. Look at Job 12. This is an interesting passage. Verse 7. But ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee. The fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. The fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these things that what? The hand of the Lord hath wrought this. Get outside. Talk about the Lord making these incredible, beautiful, amazing creatures and things. Okay? And just have fun. Limit screen time. This is one of our big problems. Is allowing, and it's, it's that screen's a nice babysitter, but their, their brain's turning to mush and they're probably learning some things that are anti-God. Okay? Be careful about that. Just have fun with your kids. Number eight, love your kids. Love them, love them, love them. I tell you, the, the reason you have to love them is you're putting, you're putting something in the bank. Every time you do something with your kids that reaffirm that you love them, you're hugging them, you're telling them how much you love them all the time, you're doing things, you're getting on the floor, you're wrestling, you're tickling, whatever you're, you're doing. Every night with uh, our kids, I was busy, but when I got home, I would sit down, they would be time for bed, and I would uh, tell them a story or give them, I uh, would call them animal kisses, and we would just laugh and we'd have fun. Love your kids. Why? Because there's going to be times when you're going to, next, number nine, lovingly discipline your kids. If you haven't, look at number nine. Lovingly discipline your kids. Look back at number eight. If you haven't loved them, go back to eight. If you haven't loved them, then you're not going to have anything in the bank when you need to discipline them. And you say, this hurts me more, more than it hurts you, but they're not going to believe that. Okay? But it's true. I didn't believe that when my mom and dad told me that. But now when I had to discipline my kids, I knew it was harder for us than it is for them. It's a hard thing. Lovingly discipline your kids. Why? Go to number nine. Lovingly discipline your kids. Because if left to themselves, our kids will be rebels and you cannot let that happen. Proverbs 3.12. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. This is something that God does for us. Even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. You don't hate your kids when you discipline them. You love them. Why? Because you're saying, I'm not going to let you hurt yourself. I'm not going to let you hurt others. We're going to give you some sort of punishment. Depends on what happens. It could be a, a, a timeout or often it ought to be a spanking. Oh, you don't believe in spanking? Well, the Bible talks about it. I got it. I think it's, it's a very important thing that we need to do. There was a man in a grocery store push, pushing a cart that had a bunch of stuff in it, but it also had a screaming little boy in it. And as the man was proceeding down the aisles, he kept repeating softly, keep calm, Billy. Don't get excited, Billy. Don't yell, Billy. A lady was watching all of this and came up to him in admiration and said to the man, wow, you have so much patience with little Billy. He says, ma'am, I'm Billy. <laughs> Don't let your children turn into rebels. Proverbs 13, 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. What does that word mean? It means 
It's a word that means like early. That doesn't mean you need to discipline your children right when they wake up. That's not what it means. It means that you don't wait. When they do whatever it is they do, you take care of it right then and right there. As often as you need to and right away. Now you say, well, when do I spank? Well, this is an interesting principle. Number 10, spank for rebellion. Okay. You say, well, what's rebellion? You'll know what rebellion is. If you tell them what to do and they don't obey, that's rebellion. If they break a lamp in the house, it was an accident. That's not rebellion unless it's happened twice and you told them not to throw the ball in a house anymore. And they do. Now, if they break a lamp, just you know, accidentally and, and happens, make them pay for it. You say, oh, you're going to make a, a three-year-old pay for a lamp? Figure out a way, yeah. Figure out a way. Let them earn some money and then take the money back, buy the lamp. Teach them all the time. But you spank for rebellion. Uh, why? Because God disciplines us for our good so that we can be holy like him. That's what you're doing with your children. Spanking is, is biblical principle. Hebrews 12.10, for verily for a few days chasteneth us after their own pleasure, speaking of our parents, our earthly father, but he for our prophet, God the father. Now you say, well, what kind of parent would spank for their own pleasure? That just means that you're going to spank your kids because you need them to show you respect and to show you honor. But God is, and you're doing it also for their own good, but God does it for our own profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. So we're teaching our children that rebellion isn't something that will ever, ever, ever help, and it's not allowed in this house, and that's a good thing. When we discipline our children, they're receiving wisdom. Look at Proverbs twenty nine fifteen: The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Children who grow up in homes without discipline feel unloved and are more, more likely to disobey authority as they get older. So what is the, what is the, the, the amount of, of discipline you give? Well, it's based on the offense. And God will give you wisdom as you go through those things. And if you're not sure, ask somebody for help. Now, I wonder if some of the things that I've talked about today might lead to some questions. And we're going to give you a moment now for about five or ten minutes that you can ask questions. If we can have the stage set up for that, if I can have uh, Pastor Paul and Mark Julian join me, and we have three microphones. The one will be roaming on this side of the floor. One will be roaming on this side of the floor. And one is for the balcony. All of you um, back row Baptists, you're going to get one mic up there in the balcony. We should give honor to those that sit near the front. <laughs> right? So who are our microphones? Where are they? Over here and over here. We need microphones. Oh, it's probably you guys. Hustle. Here we go. I preached a little longer than I meant to. Not your fault. Okay, where's our mic over here? You're the mic? Okay. So uh, have anyone thought of a question on this side of the room? Get his attention. In the balcony, who's our mic in the balcony? Oh, okay. So anyways, we'll get them out. And then who's our mic over on this side? Okay, so get his attention. We'll probably have time for three or so questions, maybe one from each microphone. And ask your question, and we will do our best to answer answer your question. But there is wisdom in all, in all seriousness. Pastor Mark Julian is raising three children of different ages. You have, uh, what's your oldest? Your youngest? Okay. Uh, two grown boys now with grandkids, but you've had a lot of experience also. Uh, growing up, your dad, my dad were very good at making sure we didn't get away with things. 
Y'all remember the story where we weren't supposed to watch TV, Paul and I? We were left at home by my, my, or we were only allowed to watch the Cubs. And, um, <laughs> that's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> watch the Cubs. And then, um, when mom and dad got home, my dad said, Hey, did you guys have a good time? Yeah, we did. What'd you watch? I'm like the Cubs. He's like, Incredible Hulk, Dukes of Hazard. I'm like, What are you doing? Why are, you just have to, you have to tell on me. The best part was when dad asked, do you want me to spank you or do you want your dad to spank you? He just, he just left me out the, out the dry. So anyways, we both got it. And I'm sure it was my fault that we watched the wrong, the wrong things. And I wonder now, like how, how uh, tame some of that stuff is compared to what's out there today. Anyways, uh, question on this side. I don't know who you are. Is there a question on this side? Raise your hand. Make sure you get his attention. If not, is there a question on this side? Okay, go ahead. Hold on. We have a mic over here. You all up? Okay, go ahead. Nope. Is it on, Jamie? Okay, just double check that. Test, is there... Test. There we go. There we go. Okay. Okay. On the rare occasion that a husband and wife may disagree on the level of punishment for a child... Like, um, the husband may seem more harsh than the, than the wife. How do we resolve that? Well, for sure, you don't ever resolve it in front of the kids. So go behind a closed door, discuss it, you know, talk through it. Obviously, as we shared today, the leader of the home. But you really do need to, and Molly and I did this all the time, like, we need to go talk this through. Uh, because sometimes, uh, we react on emotions. And sometimes the punishment is carrying more emotion than it is in exactness. And sometimes our wives can calm us down or talk through it, or maybe there's more to the story. Uh, so you have to sort through it and make a decision as the head of the home, but for sure don't have that conversation in front of the kids. If you do that in front of the kids, they will learn how to manipulate the two of you. Yeah, so. and they're, they're really good at that too. Yeah. And I would say this, uh, the husband might be too harsh on the punishment, but the wife also might be too soft on the punishment. So maybe pick something in the middle or talk to, talk to somebody that has kids that are doing great. You know, that's, to me, that's the best thing to do. Go to one of our pastors, you're watching their kids and they're just dynamic, obedient, respectful, and just ask them about it. Give, give them the particulars and, and find out. But yeah, don't discuss that in front of the kids. That's a good question. Do you have a comment on that? I just think kids are, they, have the art of division down perfectly. And so if, if you allow them to do that, that's an instance where they will do that. So you have to take that off the table. Good point. Is there someone in the balcony yet that uh, has a question? Raise your hand. Here's a guy in the balcony with a mic. Look around. Who, who is over here? Do you have someone yet? Okay. Is there another question on this side of the room? Okay. Over there. Hi. I guess my question is, um, how do we let our kids know um, all the crazy things that is happening out there in the world, um, especially bad things that sometimes you're not able to explain to them. And more importantly, how do we teach them? Or what does the Bible say about like standing up for yourself? Because, I mean, let's be realistic. It's the dangerous world out there, if you may. Um, and they're going to learn how to face everything, deal with everything. Um, so how do we teach them the right way? So I, so I have 16 year old and an eight year old. So my conversation with them are, is a bit different. 
Um, but I still want my eight-year-old to know that all of the nonsense that's happening in the world, we find that in the scripture, and then we also find the remedy to that. Um, so I'm not afraid to talk about things with him uh, because he knows, he knows he hears the news. He hears me talk about the news. He might hear mom and dad talk about the news. He hears at school different things that are happening. So I want to be real with him. Those are real things that are happening. But even though there's chaos in the world, we have a God that we can rest in. And if we follow through with his principles, all of those things will work out. And, and I, I always looked at it. Um, this will, you'll laugh, but um, I would actually see those things in the news and I would print it out and I would set it on the counter in the kitchen. And then my boys knew, oh, we're going to have a conversation. And this is, this is the topic. But um, so as a broad parenting um, um, principle, we are teaching all these principles, all of what you heard today, so, so important, right? But you never, ever want to teach your kids principles without purpose. If they don't see the purpose of what you're teaching, the principles fall flat. So this, the news stories and the realities of having to take a stand and all of that, show them the harshness, show them the position, and then show them the result in scripture of when you stand for truth. So you're actually, those are actually opportunities for them. Uh, we, we, we know they're harsh. We know that they're uh, difficult conversations, but they're opportunities to show the kids how great is our God, how important are absolutes. This is why they're important, right? So they're opportunities. You have to look for ways to do it and do it in a way where you can build your bond with your child, whatever age they are. Yeah, and, and I also say as you uh, love them and discipline them, steer them toward always repeating that they're accountable to God. So ultimately, when they do leave the home, they, they know that. They're accountable to God. Um, but as these issues come, transgenderism, whatever it is, um, deal with that. You say, how young? Well, we've got a new book that was written for kids that reinforces male and female genders and why there's differences, why God made us that way. Go get the book. I think we have in the bookstore, go through stuff with even the young kids. I never thought we'd have to do it, but we do. And as things come up, we have to reinforce those things that are biblical and uh, listen, at the end of the day, we're, we're protecting them, we're greenhousing them, but we're also making sure they're strong so that when, they, when they're out there and they hear these things, they'll have the answer from God's word, okay? Good question. There's one in the balcony, and then if you don't have one yet, uh, we're going to stop there. Sorry, Bryce. Yeah, I think it's just they're scared of you or something. Okay, one in the balcony. Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, whenever you're disciplining your, your kids, if you, uh, feel like they're rebellious and they just keep doing it, keep doing it, when do you, is it that you, uh, decide that what you're doing is not working and you need to try something different? Do you want to start with that one? No, I mean, I, yeah, I, I have, I have an answer for that, but I want to let, uh, Pastor Mark, because he's in this right now and you have different kids that have different attitudes, right? Uh, we had two very different girls. I say this all the time and they, they, they don't like it when I talk about them, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, one was very open. She actually says what she's thinking, which is very nice for parents because we knew exactly what she was thinking. She doesn't even know she's saying what she's thinking. The other one, it was, it was a lot harder to know exactly what she was thinking. So that's just, you have different kids and you're going to have one that's super like, I'm going to do it my way. And there's going to be this long drawn out thing. So 
is there ever a time to raise the white flag? No. So I always look at it this way. I will out stubborn my kids. Yeah. So yeah. Amen. Just, yeah. That's okay. true. Amen. Um, so they're, they're pushing, they're testing. They want to know where they can go, what their boundary is. And if you keep moving it, even though, so parenting is really, honestly, it's, a, it's an inconvenience, right? Because we have to do things at times when our kids need it that we don't really want to. Um, and so, uh, you have to just be consistent. I think, uh, that was one of the points this morning. Be consistent. Uh, but always when, whenever I discipline my children, uh, when we're done, we have a good time. We have fun. We laugh. Like I never leave, uh, with, with Caleb. Uh, Kate's, you know, he's kind of past that at this point. Um, but, um, he's bigger than I am, but I can still take him, I think. So, um, but Caleb, when, when we're done, I always have fun with him. We laugh, we pray, we talk. And, and so, um, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't go back to the same thing. He's a lot like his mom. So he's just continuing the, on, um, the thing. So, um, you know, I was kind of a one-time discipline. I got it. We were good. So, but, you know, uh, next Sunday I should have John and Christine Julian. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, but, uh, but I think they want to know consistency and, and you're being consistent. Um, and so I think you, you, you stick at it. You do it lovingly. Um, I, I love something that your dad always said, never discipline your children when you're angry. Go calm down, then discipline them. Um, they know that you love them and care about them because you're taking the time uh, to do even what they don't want you to do. And, and there are, I mean, if, it, if it's like, uh, here's an example of something that there might be more that's happening than you know. Uh, we had a kid that was just crying, crying, didn't want to go into school, didn't want to go into a preschool over and over and over. And the parents would spank and, you know, it was just this never ending thing. And we found out later that one of, one of his teachers in his school was pinching the kid because I don't know if the way they were trying to get their attention or whatever, but the kid was frightened to go into that class. Now, none of our teachers are pinching the kids, but you know, if, if there's one of those situations and it just seems like they're not going to break from that, what you think is rebellion, maybe you should go get some advice and explain the situation. And maybe there is something more there too. So just always be common sense about things too, but uh, definitely make sure that um, you don't give up and that you keep, you know, you do keep being consistent in the area of discipline. But again, you, they need to know that, that you love them. One real quick question as I presented in my message, let me ask you two. When do you stop being a parent? When do you stop parenting as your kids get older? For Molly and I, um, we kind of made it sort of an official thing when they graduated from high school. Uh, obviously, if it's a certain age, you know, that might vary a little bit. But um, with both of our boys, I actually told them when that ended. Um, so um, I got with them. I think Jared and I went out to breakfast. You know, I would do different things. And I said, look, um, life is now going to change in a sense that I'm not parenting. Um, And your dad would always say this um, when he would teach parenting classes. He would say, when you're the parent and the kids are still kids, you are not their friend. You're not their buddy. And I don't mean in a bad way. But once they become adults, you can become their friend and become their buddy. And so 
uh, I told both of my boys um, that from now on, unless you're about to walk off a cliff, I'm not parenting. You want my advice, I will always want to give it and would love to be involved in your life, but that's up to you. And I think the way to remember this or the way to think of this, if you do have adult kids, is um, remember the day that you graduated from high school or the day you got married. You were not worried about what your parents thought about you. You wanted to start your own life. You wanted to do your own thing. You wanted to have your independence. Well, guess what? Your kids deserve the same privilege. So let them be their own adults. And I feel like if you do that right, they will actually want to come back. Actually, Jared told me in that conversation, sorry, Jared. Oh, no, he's on his way to Canada, so he didn't even hear this. Um, he's like, Dad, ah, oh, that's great. I appreciate it. But uh, I'd actually rather if you just kind of keep jumping in. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. You, you, you have to make these decisions. So I think there does need to come a point when they're adults. That's, that's over. Okay, let's give our panel a huge hand. Thank you, guys. It's not always easy, but it's worth it, folks. It's worth it. Be consistent, and you can have epic kids. Now, the first thing I said is you need to know Jesus Christ as Savior as a parent. That, that's everything to me, because I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good parent. But with the Spirit of God's help and with the Word of God and other people, you can do it. But first, have you been saved? Have you realized that you're a sinner and you need a savior? There's an answer. There's hope to our dilemma. We can't save ourselves, but Jesus, the son of God, came in the flesh, paid for our sins by his death on the cross. See, the Bible says that you and me, my left hand is us and my wallet is sin, that we're sinners. Our sin separates us. My right hand represents God. He is holy. He is without sin, but our sin separates us from him. But he loves us. But he, he has to, he hates the sin because he's holy. What is he going to do? Well, he loved us so much that he came perfect and died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins on a cross. He rose again the third day and he's inviting anybody to just receive him by faith, believe in him. He said to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, anybody believes in him, not church attendance, water baptism, being a good dad, being a good mom. Whoever believes in him, that's to trust in him, not religion, not doing better, but putting your trust in the perfect one. You'll believe in Jesus. You trust in him. You will not perish. That's hell, but have everlasting life, which is heaven. Get that solved by receiving the free gift. And then you're on your road to growth and becoming the person that God wants you to be in every relationship of life.